This is the Abraham's Wallet podcast. Abraham's Wallet spans the gap between the austerity of obedience to God and the prosperity rising from faithfulness. Run your home and your dough like a biblical boss. This episode of the Abraham's Wallet podcast is sponsored by Outpost Advisors. Outpost Advisors is a financial planning firm that was set up around the very same principles that underpin everything we talk about here at Abraham's Wallet. Families that work with Outpost Advisors walk through a guided process to understand their unique purpose, craft a family vision, and then put their resources to work in service of that vision. They're a fee-only advisor, which means they don't sell any insurance or investments, and they're fiduciaries, meaning that they're legally obligated to act in the best interest of their clients. If your family could use some guidance when it comes to finances and family vision, then reach out to Outpost Advisors by visiting them at outpostadvisors.net. Well, hello again, my Abrahamic homies. Today, I'm going to tell you a little bit about how I do budgeting. So this is budgeting. It's kind of the 201 level. Anybody who knows me knows that I'm a a sucker for a good budget. I do enjoy budgeting my own resources and I love to sit down with other people and dig through their budget and look for golden nuggets of wisdom and opportunities for savings and even um, epiphanies about what really matters to the person's heart that I'm looking at the budget with. So this this article that we wrote a, a couple of years ago really goes into what I would call the the second level of what's important in a budget. So I hope you dig it. Mastering the art and skill of budgeting will result in you ending up with more money than you need to run your household. Did you hear that? That's a big statement, but it's true. You don't need a raise or a side hustle or anything else to end up with more than you need. You just need to get good at this one thing, budgeting, and barring irregular circumstances, you're going to have extra money at the end of the month. And for the purposes of this little talk, we're going to call that extra money slush. So it's amazingly simple. Unfortunately, the converse is also true. If you don't get good at budgeting, you'll never end up with extra cash, and you'll usually fall short in some areas, no matter how much money you make. So I've said it before on this podcast, but... Um, My wife's a physician, and we run in a diverse circle that includes people who make uh, very little and people who make staggeringly large amounts of money every year. And I will tell you that income is not the determinant of who feels like they have enough money. Uh, But those who are good at budgeting, for the most part, they feel like they have enough. So there's something to it. If you're fortunate enough to make $500,000 a year, but you don't learn to allocate those earnings before they come in and then abide by the allocation you've chosen, you'll either run out of money or, at best, you'll fail to deploy it in the ways that you intended. 
ask some former NFL players if I know what I'm talking about. So this is a strange truth, right? Having enough money is a lot less about how much you make and how much you take in and a lot more about how well you manage it. Did you hear that? It might be the best thing you hear today. And there's a lot of spiritual meat on these bones, so I'm going to repeat it. Having enough is less about how much there is and more about how you manage it. I'm beating this horse because it's important. So learn this lesson well and you'll end up a tycoon in all of the five capitals. And not only you, but your whole family for generations to come will have a plenty. The truth is why we harp on budgeting here more than we talk about how to make money or how to invest. I mean, we do talk about those things here at Abraham's Wallet, but they're just not as essential to, to your financial health as this thing. So if I can only impart one financial skill to your life, it would be how to master a budget. And if you plan to stick around here, if you've been reading the blog or if you're just kind of going with us as we read uh, through old articles and kind of expound upon them here on the podcast, you're going to get lots of budgeting thoughts. So we'll never get around the importance of this topic. And what I want to focus on today is what happens when you've been through Budgeting 101. Just scroll back through your iTunes and, and you'll find Budgeting 101. And let's say you wake up to some success. You've created a budget, you've developed some self-control and discipline, and you figured out that you actually do have enough to feed, house, and clothe your family, and it's actually accomplishable for less than the amount of income that you've brought in. Let's say you've set up a Mint account and you're aware of every penny that comes under your care, and you've even started allocating funds on a monthly basis for your less-than-monthly recurring expenses, like car insurance. Pow! You're all done, right? No, not really. Um, If you've got credit card debt, then you know what to do with your slush, that extra money, right? You pay off your credit card debt. Pretty easy. But let's say that you have a low-interest student loan. And you're also interested in purchasing some land, maybe even buying a first home in the not-so-distant future. And you've also heard you're supposed to save for retirement. Now, you're budgeting to meet your immediate needs, but you've got some extras, so how do you budget the slush? And here I will give you a warning. If you don't make a decision about this, what you are going to do when your actual income exceeds your budgeted income, before it happens... You'll be in hot water when it happens. And my man, it's gonna happen because wealth is inevitable for a guy like you. And good things do happen. And probably more importantly, a disciplined guy with a plan for how he's going to manage his resources tends to end up with increasing resources. So you can be given money out of nowhere. You know, unexpected bonuses happen and... uh, Maybe you join one of those class action lawsuits and it pays off, but somehow you'll probably run across a few extra bucks or a lot of extra bucks along your way. And I'm always amazed how often I'll think of some unnecessary thing to buy with my slush, even when I've already decided where to put the extra money. Okay, so I've already got a plan. If I have extra money, this is how I'm going to use it. And then the extra money comes and I think, you know, I'd really like a something fancy that I don't need and off we go so if I end up with an extra 500 bucks at the end of the month and I haven't created a plan forget it I'm dead 
And you will be too, because, you know, commercials, billboards, and friends getting stuff you want. And there's a thousand other things that make us expert consumers. It's what we're really the best at here in America. So I'm going to give you my process for this. And then I'm going to give you a snapshot of kind of how I do this particular skill of slush budgeting in my own home. So as we dig into my framework, I'm going to be using an agricultural metaphor because I know most of you are from places where you just, your primary source of, of earnings and sustenance is working the land the, that you live on, right? No, that's not this podcast. Sorry. Um, well, anyways, I'm going to use an agricultural metaphor and happens to be that I'm in good company there. Jesus tended to use agricultural metaphors from time to time. And uh, again, what we're doing here is kind of creating a plan for what you'll do with the excess money that's left over when your income exceeds your budget. All right, here we go. Level one, I'm calling weeding. So if your garden has 10 weeds and you pick one weed every day for 10 days, how many weeds are in your garden at the end of those 10 days? You got it right, about a thousand. So when you find that you're dealing with weeds, and that's what we call financial problems that grow without your help or have the potential to wreak havoc on your plans, you need to address those first, and you need them all the way dead before you can have any hope of peace in the rest of your garden. So these weeds are so important to uproot that whenever possible, you need to put their poison, if you will, right into your normal income budget. So that means I've got credit card debt at 20%, that's going into my budget as a normal line item. Now, if that's just completely not possible because your budget's packed so tight, then all of your slush goes towards this weed killer until those toxic items are gone and dead. Got it? So this is important. Do this meticulously and you'll most likely have these things crushed in no time. But weeding items include consumer debt, so consumer debt grows even when you make the minimum payments. That's why it sucks so much. High interest rates, you know, it wants to eat the life away from your housing, transportation, clothing, education, spiritual capital, relationships, and everything, okay? It's merciless, and you need to kill it, okay? It's bad. So weeding items also include a few other things, though. Emergency funds. This one might be a little bit of a surprise, but it, if you don't have enough cash on hand to deal with a medium-sized emergency, like a broken vehicle, I'm dealing with that right now in my 2014 Subaru that has no air conditioning on these 105-degree days. Um, but let's say that happens, or multi-week unemployment, or a busted water heater. Well, you're in almost the same spot as the credit card debtor if you can't deal with those unexpected expenses. Because you're going to have to go into consumer debt, putting weeds into your garden, if you will, just to ride it out these inevitable storms of life. So instead of that, use your slush to build a fund by which you'll ride out these bumps in the road. You need an emergency fund, and we tend to recommend at least three months of your home's operating costs. And the third thing that I put in this weeding category is disposing of anchoring assets. Okay, so maybe you got a bonus a year back, long before you were an expert at this slush budgeting idea, and you used it to make a down payment on a fancy car. Now that thing's costing you tons of money that you don't really have just to insure it and maintain it. 
It's now worth less than you paid, though, so you'd actually have to come up with some cash just to sell it. I agree with you, this is a gross situation, but assets like this one will be worth less and less over time, and it's usually a good idea to just rip off the band-aid, especially if you bought them with some debt. Unload this anchor and move away into freedom. It's going to cost you some money, but you need to kill that weed. Alright, that's weeding. So, category number two, I'm calling pruning. And I like to think of this bucket as tending to the stuff you've already been entrusted to steward. So, fail to prune, and you'll lose the whole crop. Matthew 25, 29 is a brutal verse. It says, whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken away from them. So as each of us are entrusted with assets, we find ourselves facing a test. Can we manage what we've been given? And guys, we really need to have a good answer for that question. For instance, this is why I don't own a vacation home. The question isn't, would I like to have my own place? I could go whenever I want to, because that's a nonsense question. The question is, can I handle pipes freezing in another state and lawn maintenance and housekeeping and pest control for a house that's hours away from mine? And for me, where I am right now in my life and my career, the answer is no. So we'll keep going the rental route for now. Thank you, Airbnb. Like the weeding bucket, we think that pruning items should be in your income budget whenever possible. So if you're a homeowner, you've got some pruning items. But again, if you've allocated all your income and found that you don't have any left over to take care of these, they've got to be in your slush plan. So the pruning bucket, we're in new territory here, okay? You don't have to do all of these things before moving on to the next bucket we're going to discuss. Um, For example, you don't have to pay off your house in five years, and that can be a terrible decision anyways. But they're a good idea to start considering in your regular budget. And pruning items include things like this. Number one, paying down non-toxic debt. So this could be debt on cars, although that can also be toxic debt like we talked about. But student loans, sometimes those are at a reasonable interest rate and you're not just attacking them ferociously. Or homes, mortgages, things like that. And this debt is not growing faster than you're paying it down. That's a key differentiator between this debt and the last debt we talked about. It's still a good idea to get out from under it, but you'll want to apply some judgment. It can be lived with for far longer than the nasty consumer debt. Another one is insurance. So someday you're going to get a whole series for us on, from us on insurance and insurance needs, but the gist is that you can steward future streams of income just like you steward cash in your bank account. It falls into the pruning category because, for example, if you've been entrusted with children and your sudden demise would leave them financially desperate, you owe it to your generations to come up with a plan for their long-term care without you involved. Your insurance plan is a plan for caring for them, at least financially, right? There's a lot more to think through on this topic, so I'll just leave that there. Now, giving. And what I mean by giving here is meeting needs within our community. Part of the reason you've been entrusted with money is because your father thinks you'd be good at meeting needs with it. Those needs could and will be things like taking care of orphans and widows, 
They could be funding teachers and ministers who are devoting all their time to preaching the gospel in your neighborhood, etc., etc. Tend to these needs as if they were your own because they are your own. Okay? And then lastly, basic retirement. And this includes extended family, honoring your father and your mother. Um, So we save money so that in my family, we won't be reliant upon selling our time forever in order to meet our basic needs when we get old. It's unrealistic to think that we can work till we're 85, most likely. So we're saving money for the time when we're no longer earning income with our work. Um, And we use all sorts of tax advantage and employer-assisted accounts for this. We also allocate enough funds to take care of our parents should they need it. It's not going to be the Ritz, but my wife and I are ready to meet our parents' basic needs should it be necessary. It hasn't been necessary so far, but that doesn't change my responsibility or my desire to prepare for that possibility. And in case that sounds crazy to you, here's a little shot in the arm. Jesus said, it's more important to take care of your parents' financial needs than it is to give to the temple. So care of your parents is a part of pruning your garden, not a bonus graduate level if you're a giving all-star type of thing. This could be a whole article on its own, so I'm just going to stop there for now. The third bucket I'm calling planting, and here's where it gets fun, because we get to ask what opportunities are being presented to us to grow something new, like ministry skills, assets, etc., We're keeping an ear to the ground all the time and listening for opportunities that we might add to this list. Most of the things on here are me trading some financial capital for shots at much more capital, Um, but it's not limited to kind of financial opportunities. In my planting, I'm looking for what I call territory expanding opportunities. So this is not where I would put my money for the local church or for taking care of my friends who are dealing with unemployment or sickness. That's pruning, right? Those are things that have been entrusted to me because the Lord put me into a community, in part, to meet the needs of that community. But this is where I would put ideas like, I wonder if we could expand our spiritual territory if we put some money behind a community ballet school. Would that expand the kingdom in my city? So that was just one opportunity that came up in real life for us. And we thought, yeah, that's, that's worth a flyer. Um, and it's been great, by the way. Planting items include the following. One, investing. For us, this is starting companies, putting dollars into other people's companies, and things that maybe sound a little bit more ho-hum, like investing in the stock market. Uh, Matthew 25, 14 through 30 is a clear-cut story about investing money, and it was told by no one other than Yeshua himself. So if you still have questions about whether a disciple should be investing his money for the future, um, head over to the blog, and we link you to about 10 examples of where Jesus himself gave clear moments where he instructed people to invest money for the future, all right? Um, New assets is another one. Purchasing a home or maybe some land or assets that could provide income streams for the family over time. That can be all sorts of things. Giving also appears here, but the way I think of it is a little bit different. So starting new things that have the potential to expand our borders or impact those outside of our current reach. This planting type of giving is not meeting the needs inside of your community. We already talked about those. This is sending dollars and people, 
trying new ideas and strategies, and in some cases it's more risky, and by the way, it's more exciting as well, than just baseline giving. As with investing, we're always looking for a good return on this money, although it may not be a financial return. And the last bucket I want to talk about, I'm calling harvesting. And I'll just define harvesting as places where you spend money or give money, and I mean you're not getting an asset back in return, we're trading away our financial capital, for the enjoyment and blessings that it can bring. So, I'd put luxury spending here, as well as opportunities to bless others, but not necessarily meeting their needs, their basic needs, or starting a new ministry. The, the picture here is that harvesting is about using up the crop of dough. It's not for making more somewhere along the line. And that can be as simple as treating my buddies to some burgers, or as involved as a considered decision to take the family for a few weeks in Europe. The main distinctive here is that you're not buying a thing that's going to increase in financial value. You know, if it might increase in financial value, I'd call that more in the planting bucket. Of course, even our luxury and our gifting money should be thought of in the vein of using unrighteous wealth to gain friends for the sake of the kingdom. But we're not buying wine here because it's going up in value. We're going to drink it with our neighbors. And since you're a man and who's growing in wisdom, I can't help but know that even as you put money into this bucket, you're going to be gaining back some more valuable capitals like physical, intellectual, and spiritual growth. You just can't help it, bro. Money well spent grows other capitals every single time. Harvesting items include the following, among other things, I'm sure. Travel, vacation, and rest. So these are all great reasons to trade some of your financial capital for spiritual, relational, physical, and intellectual capital. Take your whole crew somewhere that will delight, educate, and spiritually instruct them. Or spend a week at home on a project that you'll enjoy that might make the 50 non-vacationing weeks of your year that much better. You'll thank us later for this. I already mentioned it, but luxury is in this bucket. And if you haven't heard our thoughts on luxury, um, go back to last week's podcast and check it out. Some of the money with which you've been entrusted is meant for your enjoyment, believe it or not. And we have a father who loves to give good gifts, so sometimes luxury is not only appropriate, it's right and good. And then blessings to others. So gifts for people, extra rewards, treats, experiences for your wife and kids, etc. Unless you know for certain that she hates them, here's a pro tip. Buy your wife flowers at least once every few weeks. Nobody ever accused us of failing to provide actionable tips here at Abraham's Wallet, did they? That one's for free. And so there you have it. Weeding, pruning, planting, and harvesting. If you create a plan around these buckets, and then when you get that tax refund or that unexpected flow of money that you didn't know was coming, you won't have to go through the pain of blowing it all on crap that won't make your life any better. Okay, so I know you might be hungry for a real-life example of all this, and in the spirit of openness and just wanting to give you guys a window into how I do this, I'm going to give you a snapshot of what I'm doing in each of these buckets. Um, This is not a prescription for you. You don't have to do what I'm doing. Be creative and run with this, but uh, I want to give you some concrete examples in case this all still sounds a little bit abstract. 
So your family plan won't probably look like mine, and don't worry about that. But if this gives you some inspiration to go create your own plan, then I'm happy. In the weeding bucket, we're all done with this bucket in my family, and we're hopeful that we're going to keep the weeds from growing back. So we don't take on consumer debt, even though we use credit cards for almost everything. We, don't ever, we never borrow on them. And we delay purchases when possible. We plan for the types of disasters that could put weeds into our garden. If you're done with the weeding category, keep in mind that it's usually useful to consider the question, what could happen that would put some financial weeds into my budgetary garden? For the things that you can take action to mitigate, do it. For the stuff you just can't control, don't sweat it. It's okay. You have a father who's a lot better than you are when it comes to navigating trouble. Pruning. For my family, these items, we've been fortunate enough to have room in the budget to incorporate them regularly. So they're not slush. We're not putting them off until we get some windfall. Um, But we do them. So insurance, regular giving, retirement savings are set aside from our monthly income. What we're not doing is paying down our mortgage ahead of schedule right now. I get that question from time to time. It's actually a 15-year loan at 3.25%, and it's for less than half the value of our home. So we don't feel like putting more money here right now is the best use of our excess funds. In the planting bucket, um, there's a bunch going on in our family. The last $10,000 of slush that came my way went to giving. I felt like the Lord said very clearly that we were supposed to take the next $10,000 of extra money that comes in and put it towards giving. So that's what we did. I know that to some of you that might sound like an ungodly large amount of money, but remember my wife and I both work and we live on one of our salaries. So that means that slush is a regular part of our lives. Um, We created a little internal family fund that we called the investment fund in our budget. And that's just money that's waiting to pounce on the next opportunity. Our budget contains regular allocations for a pretty standard long-term investing plan. That's our retirement savings and the things I put into that pruning category. So this money is higher risk, and it can be invested into businesses being started in our community or other opportunities along those lines. Um, My wife and I both have a dream of buying some family land, so we'd like to buy some land within driving distance of our home that could serve as a retreat center for our friends and family. This is low priority for us right now, but it's, it's on the list. Another one is homes on our street. We keep some cash sitting around because we keep running into friends who, you know, in hindsight, they say, oh, we totally would have bought a house on your street if it had been available when we were looking. And so we're hot on the idea of turning our block into an intentional community. We just had some friends move in two doors down about a week and a half ago. And so we're super thankful for that. Um, And we're going to start snatching up homes if they become available. If nobody wants them, then we'll own rental homes. We've done that before. It can be a hassle and I don't recommend taking on rental home ownership lightly. But we do know what we're doing if that circumstance arises. And if one of our closest friends wants one of these homes, we'd happily take a loss if necessary to accomplish the bigger goal, which we think would probably generate more spiritual and relational capital than we could buy pretty much any other way. Um, Abraham's wallet. So this is something we also put money into. It's not a lot of money, but we do spend money to make sure the site looks cool and is well designed 
even to host this new podcast that we're running. Um, those are all things that take some cash. Um, I put another one on here for fun, which is chickens. Uh, just to show you that not everything on our planting list is huge. We uh, wanted to try our hand at raising some chickens. And ever since the dog died, you know, I, I didn't think we would ever have another animal unless it contributed to the family. And chickens seem to somewhat fit that bill. They, they do give me delicious eggs every day. So this was fun, and it was just a small step forward towards self-reliance and an opportunity to teach my girls something about daily chores. In the harvesting category, um, I've got a few things to say. One, back when I wrote this article initially, I had just bought a bike, and that felt like pure luxury. Um, You don't need to spend more than about $500 to get a great bicycle that will meet most all of your needs, but I went out and bought a race bike, Um, and I do that once about every decade or so because I enjoy bike racing and road biking. Didn't need it, but bought it and enjoyed it. Um, we've remodeled a couple of our bathrooms. About a year ago, we, we swapped out a house for, um, a total fixer upper and we've done a ton of renovations, some of which were just absolutely necessary to survive. But the bathrooms were left in all of their original pastel flowers and mildewed glory. And so we renovated a couple of them in the past year and a half to, uh, to super fancy and nice bathrooms that are definitely more than we need. Um, also, back when I wrote this article, we were saving up for a trip to take all of our family to India and visit friends who, who are living there for a little while. And I didn't know how long it would take us to save up for that trip, but it's kind of fun going back now and thinking about that because we've taken that trip and it was transformational for our family. Again, didn't need to do it, but we burned up a whole bunch of money to go have this experience together and uh, it was great for us. So there you have it. That's just one man's list of weeding, pruning, planting, and harvesting opportunities. This is stuff that I talk about all the time with my wife. I share this stuff with friends and, you know, some of those big ones I kind of bring in front of my, you know, my board of directors and say, hey guys, this is what I'm thinking is a reasonable use of money, but I need some input. I'm just going to wrap up here by reminding you of the point I would like you to remember more than any of this agricultural metaphor or what I do or anything like that, which is that if you don't make a plan for extra money before it comes your way, you'll probably not use it on the things that you truly intend to do with with your money. So creating a plan before you end up with extra is absolutely critical for anybody who wants to be faithful stewards of the Father's resources. Good luck. Hope you uh, have, have more than one windfall coming your way and that you feel totally equipped to deal well with it. And for Abraham's Wallet, I'm Mark Perry.